This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the house of God this morning? It's just wonderful to that this is our... This is characteristic of us as believers. This is what we do. We're together on Sunday. We're opening God's word. Let's do that now. Daniel chapter five, verse 30. Daniel chapter five and verse 30. First, let's pray. Father, we are so conscious of the fact that without you, we can do nothing. Without you, we can learn nothing. So we pray that we might learn this morning and that by learning, we'd be the better for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel, it's a very interesting book. For one thing, it's a bit of a roller coaster. It covers, it's spanning over the period here of three kings in Babylon. We're actually here in chapter five, we're a new king. Uh, his name is Belshazzar. And uh, Belshazzar is actually the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar that this book opened up with and had a lot of chapters devoted to it. We're dropped now in this point in the history in Daniel in the life of Belshazzar. So to get the context, there's actually a lot of verses here, but if you just kind of follow along, I'm gonna kind of read some key verses here and kind of just in the interest of time. Okay, Daniel chapter five, verse five. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote, upon, wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed. His thoughts troubled him so that his joints of his loins were loosed. His knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. The king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet, have a chain of gold about his neck, shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came then all the king's wise men, and they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled. His countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Now the queen by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. The queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man 
and thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him. Whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, say, I say, thy father made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences, dissolving of doubts, were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Then was Daniel brought in before the king. The king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel, which are of, art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of the Jewry? I have even heard of thee, and this, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding, excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof, but they could not show the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of thee that thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet, have a chain of gold about thy neck, and shall be third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself. Give thy rewards to another, yet I will read the read it, writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. O thou most high, O thou king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. I think that's where we're going to stop there. This chapter is so full of action, and it's an amazing chapter because really the chapter that we're in here, it's the shock on one man's life, his name is Belteshazzar. He was the king of Babylon. There are several titles that you could give to this chapter. One title might be the last day because this chapter is really about the last day in a man's life. It's about one day, the last day in Belshazzar's life. This chapter is the last day that Belshazzar was the king of Babylon. This chapter is the last day that Belshazzar was the richest man on earth. This chapter is the last day that Belshazzar could look at his kingdom, what he had done, and he, he could swell with pride, which he did, over his great empire of Babylon, over his great house, over his power, essentially over the world, what another has said, the honor of his majesty. This chapter is the last day that Belshazzar could have and did have everything he desired. This chapter is the last day that Belshazzar had his many wives and concubines to satisfy his lustful desires. This is the last day in his life, in Belshazzar's life. And that's why we can put a title on this chapter, The Last Day. But another title, as we look at all this, could be The Great Loss. Because this chapter is all about Belshazzar's great loss. He, he lost his position as king. He lost his position owning the kingdom. He lost uh, all of his possessions. He lost uh, all of his pleasures. He lost his health. He lost his hope. He lost his family. He lost his life. But the worst loss that Belshazzar lost on this day was that he lost his opportunity to gain heaven and not be cast into hell. And if there's anybody here today who has not gained heaven and the course of their life been changed, you have an opportunity today. 
Don't lose this opportunity, like Belshazzar probably did. This chapter could be entitled, The Great Loss, The Last Day, because the Bible says that when a person dies, in Psalm 49, 17, Psalm 49, 17, it says, when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. And all of us, and this is what makes this chapter so important to us, so relevant, because all of us are gonna have a last day. We're all gonna have a last day on earth. We're all gonna have a great loss of what we have on earth. And so there's right away, we think about our last day, each one of us, our last day on earth. There is a wrong way to have a last day on earth, and this chapter shows us the wrong way and to have a last day on earth, and there is a right way. There is a right way to have a last day on earth. The perfect commentary on this chapter are what the Lord Jesus said when he spoke to a great group of people in Mark chapter eight, verse 34. In Mark eight thirty-four, it says, when he called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me and deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The right way to have a last day on earth is to have a lived, lived a life of a priority of following the Lord Jesus Christ. Where following the Lord Jesus Christ takes a priority over what we wanna do. Where instead of living for ourselves, instead of living a life of a grand work to try to please ourselves, we live a life to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, another title for this chapter could also be The Great Surprise, because that's what happened. A Great Surprise. The surprise starts in verse five, which we're reading, and the first four verses before that in this chapter, they tell of a great feast, a great party, that the king had put on for a thousand of his lords. And there was food, and after the food, the feast turned to what everybody was looking forward to, wine. And it describes, in, in verse one, it, it describes the great delight and the joy of the king. He led the way by drinking wine in front of his guests. And verse two and three describe how the king was tasting the wine it says, and at that moment, he ordered that the gold and the silver vessels from the house of God that was taken out of Jerusalem by, by Nebuchadnezzar, they should be taken out of storage. They should be brought for the drinking of the wine. The king was there and he was saying, oh, it's such a shame with such good wine to drink it in common vessels. Bring out these holy vessels, these separated vessels, these sanctified vessels, these, these special vessels. I don't care that they came from the, the God of Israel, the God of the Israelites, the God of the prisoners. Bring them out, let's drink that wine. And that was the fatal mistake. And so this drunken party goes on. And then, and then, it spurred on, the people then begin to praise the idols of silver and gold and wood 
and stone and brass. They're delineated later in the chapter. And at that point, everything seemed to be so good. The food, the wine, the people, the drinking, the gold, the beautiful vessels, nothing, what could happen? No one had idea, any idea what was going to happen. And then came the great surprise. And the surprise was the appearance of just fingers, not even a whole hand. Fingers of a man's hand that appears on the front of a wall. The front of a wall where the candlestick is, the most lighted place of the wall for everybody to see. And when that happened, terror struck that party and the party stopped. The king turns pale. He couldn't even stand up because his joints were giving way under him. He was so afraid. And then it says in verse seven, the king cried aloud in the, in the Hebrew, he cried with might. And that was the beginning of the king's last day. That was the beginning of the king's great loss. And it all came apart for him because this was the great surprise with no warning. It just came with all of a sudden. It was just a party, it was just fingers, a cry, a party in the palace, fingers on the wall, and a cry from the king. That was the beginning of the end of King Belshazzar. And the handwriting came of such a wall, it was the great surprise. And when a person, without the Lord Jesus Christ, when he dies, it's like he's surprised. At that moment, he's surprised because it's like the same surprise that happens that when you're walking maybe on, a, on an ice on the road and you slip and you fall and it's that, that frightening surprise that happens. That's how the Bible describes that slip when it says in Psalm 73, 18, Psalm 73, 18, surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction how are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors? It all started out like there was not gonna be any last day. There was nothing in, in, in sight that was expected. It all started out, there's not gonna be any loss, great loss on this day, but it all came as a great surprise, a great surprise. And that's why this chapter could be called the great surprise, because that's what makes this so relevant because everybody's gonna come to their last day on earth Everyone's gonna experience this great loss on one day, and it's all gonna come as a great surprise. And that's why this chapter could also be entitled, because so far the descriptions I've given are pretty depressing. They're pretty down. Last day, great loss, great surprise. But one more title that this chapter could have, and this is the title of encouragement, The Great Lighthouse. The Great Lighthouse. Like a lighthouse warns of hidden dangers of rocks below the surface of water or just on the shore that can't be seen, it warns of the danger of losing everything in one day. And the worst of all is what we just read in Luke 9:25. what is a man advantaged if he shall gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? That's a very interesting word. That one's in Luke 9:25. a little different from the last one in Mark. Luke 9.25, the word advantage speaks to what's the real treasure? What's the real treasure to gain in life? The Lord Jesus Christ sums up all that's available, all that is available from a horizontal look at life. And he calls everything that can be seen on a horizontal level, gain the whole world. 
And that's King Belshazzar. He pretty much gained the whole world. And it advantaged him nothing. The whole world was of no benefit to him on his last day. The whole world was of no benefit to him on the great loss, on the great surprise. But we're told what is, the Bible does tell us what is the great treasure in life. And it's not from the horizontal. It's from the vertical in Philippians 3.7, Philippians 3.7. But what things were gained to me, that's the horizontal, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Christ is the vertical. Yea, doubtless, and I con all things but loss, horizontal, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, vertical, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, horizontal, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, vertical, and be found in him, and not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, this is where he's directing himself, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. The great treasure in life is Philippians 3.8. It's called an excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. To know the Lord Jesus Christ as a friend, as a personal friend, is the most excellent treasure that a person can have in life. And it's so important that Paul says, I'm gonna win that in Philippians 3.8, that I may win Christ. The win, the, the, and he means that I may gain this, that I may, I'm gonna work to develop this friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, this intimate knowledge, intimate knowledge of a friendship that comes from a close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, comes from a daily trusting in him, comes from a daily surrendering to him, comes from a continual submission of our will to his will. That's our work, that's what we do. That's how we gain, that's how we win this excellent treasure of the Philippians 3.8, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. It's hard work, it is. It's hard work to trust in him with all the heart. It's work to not lean to our own understanding. It's work to continually submit our will to his will. Now, as far as what we see with, with Belshazzar here, with Belshazzar, this is pretty much the end of a great life experiment. A great life experiment. As I mentioned, King Belshazzar here is, is it says father, but the way the Hebrew reads, it could be father or grandfather. In fact, it was, Nebuchadnezzar was the grandfather of Belshazzar. Belshazzar was the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar. King Belshazzar knew very well the history of Nebuchadnezzar, which is what the first five chapters in this book is all about. Belshazzar knew how Nebuchadnezzar had come to see that there's only one Lord God Almighty, not these idols. And Nebuchadnezzar said in Daniel 2.47, Daniel 2.47, the king, this is King Nebuchadnezzar, the king answered and said unto Daniel, of a truth it is, that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings. Belshazzar knew that. He knew how Nebuchadnezzar had his own conversion experience. He knew how Nebuchadnezzar had exalted himself in pride and walked around his palace and said, this is all what I have done. This is all for the honor of my majesty. And he was swelling in pride 
and he knew how God said, that's it, that's enough, and he brought Nebuchadnezzar down to a point, an unbelievable point, where for, for years, Nebuchadnezzar was on all fours, naked out in a pasture land, in a forest, being wet with the dew, making noises like an animal, and eating grass like an ox. And at the end of that time, Nebuchadnezzar was revived, and it says in Daniel 4.34, Daniel 4.34, at the end of the, this is him speaking, Nebuchadnezzar writes this, at the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. Mine understanding returned to me. I blessed the Most High. I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he that doeth, he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And there is none that can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? At the same time, Nebuchadnezzar wrote, at the same time my reason returned unto me for the glory of my kingdom. Mine honor and brightness returned to me. My counselors, my Lord, sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Belshazzar knew all that. He was the grandson of this man who had this experience. He was the grandson of this man who wrote these things. He was the grandson of the man who, when he wrote this, made this was in the form of a declaration to the whole world. And at that point, Belshazzar had a point, a decision to make. He was in a fork in the road. He could either go the way of Nebuchadnezzar and say, I will walk in the ways of my grandfather, I also will praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. He could have done that, or he could have said, no, I'll go my way. I'll be one of those all we like sheep have gone our own way. That's what I'm gonna do, and that's what he did. He chose to go not in the way of his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar. And even though this dramatic history of what happened to his grandfather, and it wasn't just that, with the becoming like an animal, it was, it was the history of seeing the Son of God walking with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace and not, them not being harmed. He, he saw all of that, he knew that all, but he said, no, I will have a grand experiment in life. My experiment in life will be, I will prove, I will set out to prove that you can have a wonderful life without God and that's the grand experiment that so many tragically are taking today in their life. I saw this transformation when I was in Europe as a high school kid in the 1960s. Europe had just come off the heels, well, no, it wasn't just, but they had come off the heels of World War II. And as it was said then, God was knocked out of them. And they raised up their head with Nietzsche, with the God is dead, and with Sartre and Camus with uh, existentialism, which was all the beginning of a grand experiment of life without God. And then when I returned to Europe in the 1980s, 1990s, a believer, and began to tell the, my European business friends about the Lord Jesus Christ, because they were in that grand experiment of life without God, they looked at me and they said, you need psychological help. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.